talk a little Falcons football. Bring in Josh Kendall from The Athletic. Good afternoon, sir. Hope you're doing well. Doing good. How y'all doing? Good, man. How was the trip to Indy? Good. Good. Productive. Um, fun. It's a, Indy's, a, Indy's an underrated town, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I like everything's kind of in walking distance, and I, I'm a yeah. big fan. Big fan myself. Hey, real quick before we get into the draft and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, Lorenzo Carter re-signed today for two years. Is it, does that going to affect what they might do in free agency or, or the draft, or do you think it's just it, it, it doesn't have any impact on that? Well, before I answer that question, I would like to see the contract because mm. I think what the what the numbers say will tell us what they think of Lorenzo, thereby what they think of um, the you know adding to that position. You know where else they might add to that position. So, what what I mean by that is if if Lorenzo went out to the marketing, didn't get a ton of other interest, and decides, well, I want to stay home for about five million dollars, six million dollars a year. That's kind of backup money. That's that's the Falcons saying, yeah, we like you a lot, but we're not going to paint ourselves into a corner where we can't go out and get somebody above you. Now, if the Falcons, you know, thought thought Lorenzo Carter was a really good fit and has more production in him, and they signed him for nine, ten, eleven million a year because he was getting other offers like that on the free agent market, that means they think Lorenzo Carter is a starter and he needs to be a starter. So, I, you know, I don't think we know yet. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that they brought him back. Both parties were motivated to do that at the right price. What that price is and where that lands, I think that's the determining factor in what it means. Josh, obviously a lot of attention today is on Lamar Jackson. Are the Falcons in this at all if, if he become if he's out on the market? The, the Falcons are, as, as you would imagine, nervous about the price. Um, the price in money, the price in draft capital, and the, and the risk when it comes to his health and putting, you know, all of that weight on um, his all of that uh, on his shoulders in terms of if if he's not happy, ain't nobody happy. I'm not sure they want to get in that boat. That's how I thought, thought they felt um, going into Indianapolis. Based on some conversations I had, I sort of confirmed that's how they felt. So, are are they in it? I mean, they were out on Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, a lot fewer red flags with, with Lamar Jackson and a lot better quarterback. So they're paying attention. I don't think at the end of the day they'll consummate it, but I think that they're paying attention. Josh Kendall of The Athletic joining us here. Um, as far as the, I guess we could say the big four, for lack of a better term, the, the quarterbacks expected to go in the first round near the top of the draft. Uh, is there a chance that the Falcons fell in love with any of those guys while they were in Indianapolis? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with the numbers for Anthony Richardson. You know, you can, this this is a – this, and I'm not saying in, in the specific case, mm-hmm. but this is a – Anthony Richardson is a great GM versus head coach question. You know, so if you're looking at it from the GM standpoint, you look at those things. You look at those numbers. You look at that – you know, what that guy could be because as a general manager, you're building the future. As a head coach, you're looking at next year and you're looking at a guy who's a one-season starter fewer than 400 collegiate passes and you're nervous. So, again, I have not seen – this goes back to the risk question. I have not seen this Falcons brain trust, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, really be really take a big swing yet. You know, they, took, they, they, they watched the Deshaun Watson pitch, but they didn't, they didn't swing at it in the end. So – Anthony Richardson is a big, big risk. 
Um, C.J. Stroud is the most boring of the group, but probably the most ready-made. But he's probably gone by three or four, and I don't know if the Falcons are interested in paying what it would take to move up into that range. So everything is a sliding scale. Um, I think Richardson's probably gone by six based on his workout. Will Levis is the you know Will Levis is kind of a, a mini Richardson in that he offers some of the athletic profile. He also offers some of the risk, and I think he's going to be around an eight. So, you know, with all the smoke, all is said and done, and they they spent a lot of time on quarterbacks in Indianapolis in, in terms of interviews, in terms of watching these guys work out, et cetera, et cetera. In the end, I think they're going to be left – what they're going to be left with is a choice of Will Levis or hang on to Desmond Ritter. I'm still standing here right now at this moment think that they hang on to Desmond Ritter. Josh, if they do that, uh, obviously they probably will go get a veteran guy to – maybe push him or, or be in the room with him. Who do you think is the most likely uh, player that if they, if they do that, go that route? That's a great question. I mean, there are just a, there are so many guys at kind of the Jacoby Brissett level who are going to be available. Yeah, I don't know that I could name a front runner in, really? at this point. Um, you know, if, if, if Ryan Tannehill becomes available, you know, certainly they would love, Arthur Smith would love to add him. But he's not necessarily – I mean, he's still in the starter level. And maybe that's, maybe that's the ideal situation. Maybe you bring in a guy who is a veteran who you legitimately think could beat out Desmond Ritter in, a, in an open competition, um, but also you can slot in as a backup. So there are just so many names out there until we see some, until we see some things shake out. I mean, Jameis Winston is going to be available any minute now because the Saints just signed Derek Carr. Too many moving parts right now for me to circle a favorite for that role. Josh, um, I know. Look, Terry Fontenot said he, he it's best player available when it comes to the draft, and uh, I'm personally, I'm a big fan of that strategy. But what do you think the biggest need on the team is going into the draft? Well, right now, the biggest need is still defensive line, edge rusher, pass rusher, whatever, whatever they're going to call that position um, of outside linebacker, defensive end and then defensive tackle. So, you know, front, front seven guys who affect the passer. The question is, will that still be the biggest need going into the draft? Because next week is free agency. Again, that's going to check out who the Falcons re-sign in the next you know, two, day, two, three days, and then who the Falcons sign in free agency. will really Then we can really start answering some questions. Right now it's defensive line, pass rusher type, my guess is by the time Atlanta gets to the draft, its biggest need is going to be cornerback. Josh, you, you, we've talked a little bit about it, but now that you said, like you said, free agency is almost here, how aggressive are they going to be? Not big numbers, I don't think, but, I mean, how many guys do you think they're going to try to bring in in free agency? Well, so everybody sees $67 million and thinks and starts doing the math on that. And that's a lot of money, and that's good. But you've got to, so you've got to start thinking ahead. You've got to start thinking down the road a little bit. Out of that $67 million, you need to save room for a Chris Lindstrom new contract slash extension. You need to start, you need to save room, think, be thinking about saving room for an AJ Terrell contract extension, new deal, et cetera, et cetera. If you're bringing Caleb McGarry back, that's 17 ish, 15 to 17 million, depending on how they handle that. So, it's not like you can say, all right, you can go out and get three guys for $21 million a year. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, but I think two big-ticket guys, I mean, 
you're talking about Jesse Bates. You're talking about Marcus Davenport. I mean, you know, you know, maybe you're talking about Javon Hargrave. It's not like you're going to get all three of those guys. Could you get two guys in that category? Yeah, you could. Oh, that's really exciting to think about because, I mean, I, I, Josh, I don't know your take on this, but it feels like there may be two or three guys away uh, specifically on the defensive side from not, not being a Super Bowl contender, but, you know, being a team that can make the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. This this team needs to get in the playoffs. This needs to be a playoff team in the in the, in the third year for this for this group running the show. And you absolutely can think that it could be, especially if you add some some pieces, um, some key pieces on the defense. If Ryan Nielsen is what they think he's going to be in terms of bringing an aggression and, and an improved pass rush when he has more weapons than DMPs had, and then that run game plus whatever you can add to the passing game, absolutely. I think that this you know I think that this team you know is very well positioned to take a big step and needs to. Yep, no doubt. Hey, Josh, we appreciate the time. Thanks for jumping in here with us, man. Thanks for having me.